Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. The word of the Lord came to us very clearly at the beginning of this month of June, saying that it is going to be a month marked by the unexplainable, where those things that you have never seen before, where those things you've never heard of before, the seemingly unexplainable will come to pass. And I want you to grab a hold of that, even if it is that you're hearing about that for the first time, and you say it's already towards the latter part of this month of June. Maybe it is that you were here every single week during this month of June, but you say, you know what, I haven't really as yet seen the unexplainable come to pass in my life. I want you to hold on to that word. I want you to hold on to that word this final week of this month of June, because I'm telling you that something is about to erupt. Something is about to come forth and break loose over your life. Come on, if you receive that, just praise His name. And so we're dealing with living in the overflow. You know, God doesn't want you to just live an average life. He doesn't want your life to be marked by mediocrity. He wants your life to overflow in every single area of your life. Overflow. And so I want you to even right there where you are, just even close your eyes to get rid of every distraction. And I want you just to make this declaration to God. I want you to say this, say this out loud. I am ready for the overflow. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am ready for the overflow. Overflow. Come into my life. Now. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that you receive that one more time, just praise Him. You see, there's something very special and powerful that takes place when you begin to speak the Word of God. That faith is a language. Faith is the language of God. And when you speak the Word of God by faith, and you release those words into the atmosphere, you know what? There, it, it moves with such force in the realm of the Spirit. And I've said this many times, but I want to say it again, is that everything that is seen has its origin in the unseen. Everything material has its origin in the immaterial. You might say, what just happened when you made that declaration? I'm telling you, something happened. There is a shifting, there is a triggering, there is an activation taking place in the realm of the Spirit when you begin to speak and operate by faith. I'm telling you something is about to break loose in your life this morning. And I'm not talking about from a negative. I'm talking about the floodgates of heaven opening over your life over that of your family, over that of your business, that in every area of your life it will speak and it will be marked by the overflow of God in Jesus' name. And so with that, I'd like for you to open up your Bibles as we go to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic. Malachi chapter 3, 
and verse 8. It says, will a man rob or defraud God? Question mark. Now I'm sure that even as this question is posed yet again, there's not one of us in attendance this morning or even one of us listening to this message this morning who would respond to that question that God himself poses with yes. Not one of us would desire to say, well, I am robbing and defrauding God. Yet you rob and defraud me. But you say, in what way do we rob or defraud you? Question mark. And then God responds and he says, you have withheld your tithes and offerings. I want you to pay close attention to the word and. Because so often we look at Malachi chapter 3 within, and within the context or the perspective of only the tithe. But God specifically starts this conversation with a question. Asking, have you robbed me? Have you defrauded me? And saying, making the statement, yes, you have. And I know the context is is the people of Israel. However, it applies to us. Yes, you have. How? By withholding and defrauding me of your tithe and offerings. So it's not just the tithe, but it's also our offerings. And in a moment, I'm going to explain the significance of both. And then in verse 9, it says that you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, even this whole nation. What a sad state of affair. Where God wanted nothing more than to bless. You see, it is God's nature to bless. When He created man. In his image, after his likeness, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. It is God's ultimate desire for you to be blessed. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God poses another question. Whether or not you will choose life. Choose this day, either the blessing or the curse, life or death. The curse leads to death, but the blessing of God leads to life. I'm not talking about eternal life. I am talking about having a life that overflows with the goodness of God right here and right now on this earth. John 10.10 says the enemy comes in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, but I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full until it overflows. Jesus came to give us an offer for us, a life that is overflowing. You are not supposed to have hell on earth, but have the idea or the prospect of one day in heaven. One day in heaven, one day when everything becomes good. Life and life abundant, overflowing life is available to all of God's people. But it comes down to you making a quality decision. And in light of the scripture, it also comes down to this, making the quality decision to honor God. 
to put God first, to seek first God, His kingdom, His righteousness. And then He promises that all these other things will be added unto you. That's Matthew 6.33. Yet so many Christians seek the things where we are called to seek Him first and foremost. Giving Him preeminence that in all and in through all it is Christ and Christ alone. And this is what it comes down to. It's making the decision, the conscious decision to put Him first. Then verse 10 that we all know so well. Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income. So in other words, this is the first 10% of all of your income the gross income that comes into your life. Some might say, well, surely we understand that. You know how many Christians do not? Because Christians get hung up on, is this now net or is this now gross? Is this now before tax or is this now after tax? Is it only a tenth of on the salary or is it also a tenth on the salary plus the rental income you know it blows my mind how Christians want to try and deal with God the way that you try and deal with any tax agency any SARS or the IRS where there is the law the tax code, and then you try and have certain things that you can write off. It's very simple. It's 10%. It's a round number, in essence. The reason I say that is because whatever is your income, you just take a zero away. You move the decimal space, just one. That's your tithe. It could not be more simple. It could not be more easy. Can you say amen? amen? You do not have to be a tax practitioner to determine your tithe. You simply move one decimal space. That is how simple it is. But yet, you speak to Christians, the average Christian, about the tithe, and they still want to ask the question, what percentage is that? The word tithe literally means 10%. Not 8%, not 12%, not 5%. There is a tithe, 10%. There is no such thing as double tithe. Everything over and above the tithe is your offering. Then there's also seed. That is where you vow, you purpose within your heart. Where you are standing on the word of God. The promise of God for something truly significant to come to pass in your life. And that is where you prepare a specific and I almost want to say strategic seed. To be able to when you sow that seed by faith. Putting your faith into that particular situation and demonstrating your faith by putting it into action because faith without works is dead. It's not about the works. 
It's faith coupled with the work. Because you cannot say, I have faith, but fail to demonstrate it. Faith needs to be demonstrated. Every person in that boat that day, just before Peter walked on water, could have said, I believe I can walk on water. But there was only one who dared to step out of the boat and begin to walk on water. Faith without action is dead. It means nothing. It comes to no avail. And so this is the difference between a tithe and an offering and a seed. Just very simply put. But it says in verse 10, bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's simple. It's the local church. It's the place that feeds you spiritually. And it speaks of the whole tithe. Christians are not to play around with the tithe because it is holy. It is set apart. Bringing the whole tithe to the local church, the place that is responsible for feeding you and nurturing you, nourishing you spiritually. Therefore, we do not have the right to chop up the tithe. Well, 5% goes here and the other 5% goes there. Or 50-50 from that perspective of the tithe. Or you break it up into four different parts. 25%, 25%, 25%. The tithe is holy. It's set apart. And God clearly says where it should go. God is specific. It's not about an fixed amount. It's about a percentage, a tithe. It's fixed. God is very specific about it. 10% of all your income, that's your tithe. That goes where? To the storehouse. The local church that feeds you spiritually. And so when Christians sometimes have this thing, well, I, I don't want to give to the local church. You know, I, don't want, I don't know what they do with the money. You know? If that is your attitude, then rather do not. Or if it is that you have absolute zero trust in that church, then why are you there? But before we even get there to where you want to point fingers at the local church or the man of God, maybe first look within. That before we just go and point fingers and say, well, I don't mean that. The motive of your giving, the motive of your heart. Because I can tell you that Yes, although many churchgoers point out to the abuse when it comes to finances in the local church. I understand that. I have seen ministers of the gospel use and abuse scriptures, even such as these, for their own financial gain and own benefit. I've seen it. Yes, that's true. However, we cannot also, as we say in Afrikaans, we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are certain principles that God has given us. And yes, there are those who will try and exploit those principles for their own selfish financial gain or benefit. But the truth of God's word remains and it stands. But then also you have individuals in the local church who want to try and use their tithe as a form of leverage. They want to use their tithe to try and manipulate the man of God or the leadership 
of a local church. If you do not do what we want you to do, we will withhold the tithe. If you do not say what we want you to say, if you do not stop saying what you are saying, we will withhold the tithe. Well, I'm wanting you all to understand, and let me just say this for the record. This pastor is not for sale. I will not speak what man wants me to speak. I will not keep quiet where man wants me to keep quiet. If you want to withhold your tithe as a means of leverage or as a means of manipulation, I want to call that out right here, right now. It is witchcraft. Manipulation and rebellion, it's witchcraft. And if it is that you are wanting to use a tithe, a principle that God instilled in order to bring about your blessing, I'm telling you, you are going to invoke the opposite of what your intention would have been. You are not going to reap the benefit of the blessing of God when you weaponize your tithe in the local church. We have to be very clear on this. The tithe is holy. It is set apart. If you want to manipulate, if you want to weaponize, if you want to use the tithe as a means of having leverage over the man of God or the vision of the local church, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. For He is holy. And He is not going to allow any man to taint, to twist, to pervert His holiness. And so bring it to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And prove me now by it, says the Lord. So God is saying, put me to the test. This is the only time in scripture where God says, test me. That if I will not open up for you the windows or the floodgates of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. Once more, we need to settle it within ourselves. Let this day be the day that you settle it within yourself once and for all. That when you believe, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that you could wish for, ask for, even begin to imagine, according, according to Ephesians 3 verse 20. Settle it within yourself today that you will be a partaker of that blessing. What does the word blessing mean? It means God's divine empowerment allowing you to prosper. That is what the word blessing means. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful invocation where God says, I bless you. He is basically saying, I am empowering you to prosper. It's a divine empowerment that gives you the ability to be able to create wealth. That is at the basis, the heart of true biblical prosperity. 
So there are many Christians who say, I do not believe in prosperity. Well, then you cannot believe in the blessing. And if you cannot believe in the blessing, you cannot believe the fact that God is good all the time. Because there are Christians who believe that when you bring your tithe and you honor the Lord, even with your offerings and you sow seed by faith, somehow God is still going to bless you with poverty. Poverty is linked to the curse. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Study it. It's divided into two sections. The first section dealing with the blessing. And what is so interesting about Deuteronomy chapter 28 is that the first third deals with the blessing. But two thirds deal with the curse. The curse is real. As the blessing is real. We cannot have the one without the other. Even as I was sharing last week, we cannot talk about heaven and not talk about hell. Because there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And we need to choose this day, life, blessing or death and curse. It's a decision. And ultimately, if that is a decision, then we even cannot begin to understand that, in essence, the effects of poverty being bound to that which is known as poverty ultimately comes down to a decision. Because you could do everything that God's Word tells you to do. But if you're going to walk around with a poverty mindset, a maintain which is a spirit and a principality in your mind. You are never going to be a partaker of the finances. Or it could come. The money comes. The finances come. But it's like if you have a bucket that is able to contain the blessing, you have got a bucket with many holes. Money comes in, but it leaves as soon as it comes in. That is a hole in the bucket. And that is a trait of poverty and a spirit of poverty at work within your life. Because God doesn't want you to experience a place or, or getting to a place where you experience or suffer loss. Because if we actually go and continue to read Malachi chapter 3, it even speaks of the fact that the devourer is rebuked for our sake. But returning to scripture, God says, if I will not open up for you the windows or the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing so large that you will not have room enough to store it. I want to close just quickly with this pertaining to the scripture. And this is something I've shared before, and I want to just make mention of it again for everyone who's never heard this before. The Bible specifically talks about windows of heaven, or other translations say the floodgates of heaven. Now, when you look at that word in the Hebrew, it actually can mean both. But when you even begin to grab a hold of the revelation of the windows of heaven and the floodgates of heaven. I'm telling you, something powerful comes to the fore. So what is a window? Very simply put, 
It is a hole inside of a wall fitted with glass, allowing you to see what is beyond. So if you sit in a room that has no window, you will stare at the wall and you would miss out on what is just on the outside. You will miss out on what is just beyond the wall. For some of you, you are sitting a wall's width from your blessing. From accessing the overflow of God to come to your life. You are but a wall's width away from accessing the fullness of all that God has for you. But you're oblivious to it because you cannot comprehend what is beyond the wall. You have no idea of the vastness of what is beyond the limitation of the wall. But when the windows open, you not only see what is beyond. In the Hebrew, it actually gives us and it paints a picture of the fact that you access the very network of heaven. You access, therefore, the unlimited riches of His glory. Number two is the floodgate. What is the floodgate? It is a restraint holding back an outpouring of something that is powerful and substantial. Even with all the rain that we've been having in the Western Cape, when you look at and consider certain dam walls, I mean, the moment the water gets to a certain level where some of these dams already are at over the capacity and you have to start getting ready to opening up the floodgates. If it wasn't for modern day technology, once you open up that floodgate, there would have been no way to close it again. If you consider the engineering that has gone into building even a small dam wall. Why? Because it is created with the knowledge that it has to contain a vast quantity of water. Whereas it fills up, it builds pressure against that wall. And then when we understand what God is saying in the context of the scripture is that when we are faithful with bringing the tithe and our offering, he will open up the windows of heaven, allowing us to see what was beyond, allowing us to see what was previously hidden. If you are in the area of business and you believe in God to be able to stay at the head of the curve, you want to believe God to be at the cutting edge of what is happening all around the world, you want to be able to see what is beyond the current limitation of where you're at. 
You might just be a natural man or a natural woman saying, I'm wanting to invest. I'm wanting to create wealth. But right now there is a limitation on what you are able to perceive, what you're able to see. But what happens the moment when you honor God with something as simple as honoring Him with the tithe and bringing our offering, what happens is He opens the windows of heaven, allowing you to see what is beyond. And He opens the network of heaven that is available for you. And if you will just understand the unlimited richness of His glory, unlimited there is no limit. So you can now understand, in essence, the pressure that is against this floodgate in heaven. I'm using the language from the Word of God to illustrate this point. Like this pressure. And it takes a man or a woman of faith to say, God, I will put you to your word. I take you at your word. That if your word says it, I believe it. And that settles it. I want to illustrate something to you quickly. Um, Francois, come help me quick. Just hold this for me. just hold on to this jug don't drop it let's see come quickly just hold this dish stand right there what I want you to do quickly is to fill that glass for me with water Okay, just stop right there for a second. If you see this glass, here's this big philosophical question. Is the glass half full or is it half empty? You see, ultimately it determines on your outlook on life. If you are the natural pessimist, well, it's half empty. But if you are the natural optimist, I want to rather say a man or a woman of faith you will look at that and you say, hey, that glass is half full because I know my God. Fill it up even more. Now fill it up all the way to the top just before it overflows. Now look at that. Francois determined in his natural mind that that glass is full. Now the question is, is, is it full? This might be a good time to actually start getting that bucket ready. <laughs> but hold it, hold it, Francois. So this is what is referred to as a brimming cup. This is what your mom and dad told you not to do. Yet that is a picture of what God expects. Your life, every area of your life should look like that is a brimming cup we all know psalm 23 so well i'm not even going to read it 
But you know that David writes and he says that my brimming cup overflows. Not my empty cup he takes from nothing and he fills up all the way and then it just trickles over. My brimming cup, that means your cup is already at the point of overflow. But then there's something else that happens. The devil comes. Circumstances. Some circumstances are, call it caused by your own decisions. Even your indecisions. And it causes a problem. Another problem is, as we look at our cup, that symbolizes our life. And then we think to ourselves, it's all over. It's done. Because we are quick to think, well, my life is supposed to overflow. And you might believe the scripture that, yeah, your cup is at the point of brimming, but it's contaminated. And then there are those who fall into the trap of shame and guilt and condemnation because you sit here and you hear even the word that was released by faith just now. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And yet you say, but I cannot be a partaker of the overflow of God because this is what my life looks like right now. But the wonderful thing about the grace of God is that he pours himself out. That God sent his son while we were still sinners. We did not deserve it. We could not purchase it. There was nothing that we could say or that we could do that could reverse the curse. That could nullify the curse out of our own accord. But he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to illustrate this to you because so many times people look at their life and they want to give up. And yet, even this morning, God's saying, listen, if you will repent, turn away from your wicked way. Even if it is that there was a time when you did withhold the tithe and you withheld the offerings. Or maybe there was even a time that you wanted to manipulate, you wanted to leverage, you wanted to do the things that is not synonymous with someone who is walking the path that belongs to righteousness. Whatever part, whatever category, whatever applied to your life, it comes down to you making the decision today. And this is what God does in return. I want you to go and use this jug, what is remaining, and I want you to pour that with force. As the floodgates open with force, 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 force. And what you would see is that the contaminants gets diluted as of a constant inflow. Now the jug run, ran dry. There's an unlimited riches of God's glory. And so if we were to continue to pour this entire glass of water would return to its former glory, to its former state of being crystal clear once more.
And so with that, you can just put that down. Just put that into that. Thank you. And so with that, what I want to do is I want to pray over everyone of our offering envelopes as we get ready to bring our tithe, our offerings, or even sowing a seed. You know, even this last month has been an incredible month where we've seen the goodness of God manifest in so many different areas. You know, even seeing the different ministries being revamped and seeing the children's ministry things that are happening there, seeing the media team, things that are happening there, and seeing in the worship team, things that are happening there, so many different areas where things are busy happening and unfolding, many other areas we've already developed to a state where it speaks of excellence, but even a few weeks ago when I, when I spoke about the vision, sharing it with you of that which we even want to achieve with regards to the media team where we set forth a goal of even just reaching 100,000 rands to be able to purchase the necessary hardware and software to be able to take our broadcast to the next level. And I can say to you that since that time, even in that one week, there was finances that was just starting to come in, flooding in, to be able to already pay for the expansion and upgrades of the media team with regards to the computers and the network and the software that is used, you would already see a difference even in the way things are being projected, the way things are being put out online. The fact that we are on more platforms and channels now than we were just last week. There is progress and there is movement and yet what we're wanting to do in this next phase is to be able to purchase the video cameras and we've already looked at them and we've already set aside what it is that we are believing God for with regards to that and that is the next step and that is why we are believing God to be able to get in that hundred thousand so that we are able to purchase the necessary hardware with everything that we've done with the finances that has already come in it's set the stage or it's set the platform we have for the rest that is about to follow. And so we are also believing that by faith, calling it forth that even this week, that the rest of what is still required to be able to purchase the necessary video camera equipment and to be able to overhaul even other parts of the ministry, that it happens and it comes forth this week. You know what it is that you are believing God to do in your life. And so this morning, I want to again encourage you, even at the back of your envelope, you can write down what it is that you believe in God for. We pray over those envelopes. We break bread over those envelopes. Standing with you by faith in agreement. You say, well, we are doing that now. Do you know how powerful it is when you stand in agreement with someone? Jesus said that when two or more agree on anything on this earth, it will be established. It will be done unto them. There is power in agreement. And so we are also saying we are agreeing with you. With all that which you are believing the Lord for. Whether it is for your child's education. Whether it is for your own business. 
Whether it is that you believe in God for expansion in your business, promotion in your personal life, whether you believe in the Lord for that job opportunity, things happen. Even with that, Christo, in closing, come here quick. I want you to just share what has happened in your life. A few months ago, a word came to you, February. Just tell us the word that came and what has happened in the meantime and what just happened now. So yeah, the word came in February. Um, I'm a mechanic at the moment and the word was that Pastor Kevin saw me in this vision that I was surrounded by cars and I work on Land Rovers and the vision was I was surrounded by cars that I'm going to sell. Now, I didn't see that at my workplace because we're not selling cars at all. We are just fixing them up and, you know, the client gets the car and we move out. But he said there's going to be a destiny helper that's going to help me get into the vision. And I was like, okay. And I just kept on tithing and like, giving my offerings the whole time. Just keep on. I didn't give up. I just had the faith. And I'm human. So sometimes, you know, you, Jesus, okay, and then on praise and worship, you stir up your faith. And yeah, my destiny helper came now. I, I'm starting not this week, then next week. I'm starting. And I saw, I was yesterday at the interview and I saw the cars that was there and the cars that are still coming very very lani cars and so <laughs> this i'm excited to see where god is taking me and what he has for me in the future so yeah i give all my thanks to god so i'm super excited man come on let's put our hands together amen so you're all ready to Bring your tithe, your offering, sow your seed. Amen. Just hold your envelope in your hand. Let's pray over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to be a blessing, to demonstrate even by faith that we put you first in all that we do, that we present our lives to you as a living sacrifice. And even with this envelope, it being our summons, we speak forth to that which you have promised us. And we call it forth by faith. We stretch forth our hand into the future of that which you have. And we by faith bring it into the right here and right now. Father, you know what it is that every single person is trusting you for. And Lord, I thank you that as we put you first, that as we seek you and your righteousness and your kingdom first, that all these other things will be added unto us. And so, Father, I thank you for the floodgates of heaven to open now, for the windows of heaven to open now. I thank you for positioning us in a place of favor and we receive it and partake of it in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Now you can come to the front and you can sow. You can bring it through. If you do not have any physical cash with you today, you can even just fill in the envelope. You can write down EFT. The details are right there. Or you can go to the website, dominion.org.za forward slash give. And every person even watching, you're more than welcome to also make use of those details and simply do what the Lord has instructed for you to do. So many things have already just happened in, in the realm of the Spirit. The Lord is going to do such incredible things in the area of your finances, of your family, in your relationships, for you to experience the overflow of God's goodness, of His blessing, and of His favor in your life. A couple of scriptures I want to highlight to you and in closing is this. This is from Psalm 35 and verse 27. Earlier I said to you that it is important, it's imperative of you to grab a hold of this revelation today and to settle it within yourself once and for all that God is a God who desires above all else that you would be blessed, that you would prosper. It's interesting the moment you begin to speak along these lines how every religious demon begins to manifest. Because there are some Christians, the moment you even just say the word prosperity, it's like it shuts something off and it activates the things of the flesh. And even demonic strongholds in their life. Understand if you cannot get yourself to that place where you embrace the fact that God is good, that God's desire for you is to be blessed, to be prosperous, and to have good success, you will never be a partaker of the blessing of God. Therefore, it eliminates any kind of reasoning or even questioning, why is my life going the way it's going where is God in all of this you cannot be a partaker of that which you deny you cannot be a partaker of that which you despise if you get upset about the word prosperity or even just the concept thereof then hey it's not for you And sometimes people would begin to say things and mock pastors who even just mention these words and they would say, yeah, you, yeah, he's a prosperity preacher. That's the prosperity gospel. Okay, so what gospel do you subscribe to? A poverty gospel. And then people would quote all these different scriptures. I've heard them all. And you know what? 99% of the time, the person who is so defensive almost to the point of being offensive, aggressive about the area of finances or prosperity as a whole. Wanting to believe that God's desire for all of His children is to be poor. How many of you as a physical or a natural father or mother 
desire for your children to be poor, to be miserable, and to live a life of chaos and calamity? How many of you? Not one. Yet that is what we say to God's face every day of our lives when we have this feeling towards prosperity and success. God said to Joshua very clearly, if you will be careful to observe, to obey the law of God, to meditate upon it day and night, to not depart from it to the left or to the right, I will make your way prosperous and give you good success. So it's about standing on the word of God. It's about understanding that it is written, but also what is written. Many Christians are ignorant, and that's what I spoke to you about last week. In Psalm 35, verse 27, it says this, depending on what translation you use, but it comes down to this, is that God delights in the prosperity of His children. God delights in your prosperity. That means that God is smiling over you when you prosper. In the same way that you as a natural father or even a mother would smile because you are proud of your son or of your daughter or even your grandchildren achieving. How many of you have ever sat even at a, in an assembly, some sort of graduation or some sort of ceremony where your son, your daughter, or even your grandchildren walk that stage and they get some sort of certificate or trophy or accolade? Are you telling me that there is no feeling on the inside, no emotion of, I'm so proud of that person. I'm so proud of my son. I'm so proud of my... Are you telling me that you are emotionally so dumbed down that it doesn't move you? If that is the case, you need to be delivered. But we want to believe that when it comes to us, where God is looking at our lives, where He has invested in you, He has given you everything in order for you to succeed. And as any investor would, you would watch over that into what you have invested. Looking, searching for the dividends when it's going to come. Because you are looking for a return on your investment, an ROI. What investor ever invests without expecting a return? And so God has given you everything in order for you to succeed. And now God is watching you. And the Bible says that God delights in your prosperity. Now think about this. When it comes to poverty, is the opposite true? If God delights in the prosperity of His people, what does He do when we are suffering as a result of the curse of poverty? Do not tell me that people who suffer because of the curse of poverty operating in and through their lives, that God finds delight in that situation. God is delighted. And it is interesting that the moment we speak about these things, again, people will attach the person to that curse. People will attach the person to poverty. And then when we speak of poverty, they think we are shaming the person. No, 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 no. We are exposing the spirit behind it. In the same way that when we speak of sin and we call out sin 
then people are quick to say, but yeah, but this person is actually so nice. We're not talking about the person. We are condemning the sin. There's a difference. And this is why people love to play on the emotions when it comes to this. Well, how can you say, you know, that this is such a lovely soul, such a lovely person. Yes, it's a lovely person. But that person needs deliverance. That person needs to repent and turn away from their wicked ways. And so we have to separate it. Because you as a person, you are not that. And so typically, if you've ever watched these American movies, that you know when they, you, you see these AA meetings. People stand up in that group, in that circle, they stand up and say, hey, I am, and then say their name. I am Kursi, and I am an alcoholic. No, 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 no. At what point must that as a curse become part of your identity? You see, God doesn't want you to just manage that curse. God doesn't want you to manage that sickness. God doesn't want you to manage poverty. He wants you to overcome it. And He has made a way for you, enable for you to overcome everything that the devil has tried to throw your way. Everything that has come against you. He has given you everything in order for you to succeed. What must you do? Stick to the Word of God. Stay on the path that belongs to the righteous. Hey, it is the path less traveled, but I'm telling you, it leads to quality of life now and eternal life hereafter. It's about making that quality decision. It's so simple. It's so simple. And then Proverbs 10, 22, we all know this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. In other words, God is wanting to bless you. Pour out a blessing so large that you will not have room enough to store it without sorrow, without depression. That you would not have to have a list of medication as long as my arm to be able just to deal with your finances, just to protect your finances. Because when you operate in the blessing of God, there is already divine protection for you. There is divine provision as a tither. He opens up the windows of heaven and then he rebukes the devourer. That's divine protection. And then the latter part of Malachi speaks of divine promotion. That he establishes you. He promotes you. And the great thing about God promoting you instead of man is that when man promotes you, man can take it away. But when God promotes you and when God himself establishes you, no man can take your place. That means that you can go to bed at night, even when everyone in your team, everyone in your company, even when directors and everyone else is trying to connive and scheme about taking you out. You can go to bed at night without having to take a little pill to sleep and you can go up into La La Land and you can wake up the next morning rested. While everyone else at the workplace has not been able to rest because they are continually plotting and scheming. Promotion comes from the Lord. Make sure that you apply yourself to the process of 
spiritual development, physical development, emotional development, and becoming also a person of value. Because it is rewards that will always follow value. When you become a person of value, rewards begin to flow effortlessly. Getting there is what's going to be the greatest challenge. Because on your journey, there will be many opportunities for you to give up. You will have many opportunities to throw in the towel. You will have many opportunities to give up, to give in. Life has a way of trying to knock you down. And yet the Word of God says, though you stumble, you will never fall. You see, let that sink in for a moment. Hey, you, you might have had a speed bump. You might have had a wobble. But though you stumble, you will never fall. You will never fall. You say, I, I, I fell so hard. I saw the bottom of the pit of despair and hopelessness. Well, then I say unto you that that would be the lowest that you would ever go in your life. That from here and from now, it's only upwards and onwards, going higher and further than you've ever even imagined before. You know, it's interesting when we consider a person such as Abram before he became Abraham. And we read about this in Genesis chapter 12. So, so powerful. Because again, you would find that if God is truly the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if Galatians chapter 3 actually point to the fact that we have access to the blessing of Abraham through the Lord Jesus Christ who has established for us this better covenant based on better promises, taking it all back to where it all started, where God appeared to Abram and entered into covenant with him. That's where it started, giving Abram a generational vision. And in hindsight, God reveals himself. This character of Abraham is so significant that his descendants are so significant that God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis 12, It says, now in a run, the Lord said to Abram, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. You see, how many of you would love to be a blessing to those around you? Quickly, show your hands. How many of you would love to be in a position to bless those around you? 
Here's the kicker. You cannot, it would be impossible for you to truly be a blessing to those around you when you yourself do not even have enough to meet your own need. Now people would say, well, even if you are dirt poor, you can still do something for the need. Yes, I, I hear that. But I'm talking about doing something significant. And then people who, you know, it's like the religious, well, it doesn't matter what, you know, even just a kind gesture, just that little nod to someone who walks by, you know, hello. If, 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 your, if your greatest achievement for the day, or that which you set out to do was to nod to someone, a stranger walking by, God help you. Because there are others right now thinking of the fact that you know, if, if, if I could, you know, there, there's people, and again, it comes down to levels of where you're at. The place where you might be is, let's say you have a desire to educate young people. And you put your faith out there to be able to, you know, just help some child with a meal every day so they can focus in school. Hey, that's great. But let's be honest, again, how are you going to get someone else a meal if you yourself don't even have your meal? But now let's say you're at a place where you are even able now to bless that child with his school fees. Paying for the school fees. But again, how are you going to be able to do that when you do not have finances to cover even your basic of needs and costs of living? But then there are others who say, you know what, I do not just want to bless one child with education. In fact, I do not even just want to bless 10 children with education i do not even want to bless an entire class i do not want to bless an entire grade i want to actually start a school where i'm going to believe god for millions and millions and millions and millions to build a state-of-the-art facility where i can bring in children who are wanting to learn who are ready to learn and to be equipped to be the future leaders of this country Let's be honest, to do something on that particular level is going to require you to be able to have access to some funding. And while we could look at others to fund that work, here's the question, why are we always looking to others? When we can say, God, empower me. The Lord has given you the ability to create wealth. That's in the book of Deuteronomy. You say, well, that's old covenant. Well, if that was true under an old covenant, to a people who is referred to in the Bible as a stiff-necked people, how much more is available to you? But then there are Christians who believe that when it comes to finances and prosperity and success, that God has somehow just eliminated all of those things, and they would call to the Jews as people who are prospering, who are blessed of God. But now when it comes to a new covenant, a better covenant based on better promises, well, Jesus wants you to be miserable. You know, he just wants you to suffer. But we do this, hallelujah. No. That I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and it will make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you and curse him who curses or uses insolent language toward you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed and by you they will bless themselves. 
Now, one of the things that people say, and so often say, is you see, the reason why God doesn't allow for prosperity to come to the lives of so many Christians is because once you are prospering, then you no longer need God. How many of you have heard something along the lines of that before? Yeah, many. Now, you would somehow think that God did not think all of this through. What an insult. Isn't it interesting that just the next chapter, let me show you this. We just read from Genesis chapter 12. Now Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2. Now Abram was extremely rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. And the reason I highlight this is because there are those that the moment you talk about prosperity and the blessing of God and read Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and adds no sorrow with it. They immediately say, well, rich doesn't refer to financially rich, materially rich. It speaks of having good values and passing that on to the, like, hello. Trying to downplay, downgrade what God intended and meant with the blessing. We just read it. Now Abram was not only rich, he was extremely rich. Extremely. The Bible could have played it down and said, well, you know what? He had means. I have means. Abram was extremely rich. Yes, you, you see, he, he, he had a full life. He loved God and God loved him and his wife loved him. You know, he was a rich man. How many people say those kind of things? How many of you know? It's not you again, it's those heathen cousins of yours. They say all of these things. Now, Abram was extremely rich in livestock and in silver and in gold hello not just livestock but in silver and in gold a few months ago i shared this with you i have so much more to share but i really want this to sink in today that you will make up your mind as to what you believe make up your mind Go to First Chronicles chapter 29 quickly. I want to hit this home. And then I'll tell you what the Lord spoke to me about with regards to this church and ministry, the members and the partners. First Chronicles chapter 29 from verse 3. It says, and now, because of my devotion to the temple of God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is David, who is about to bring a personal offering to the building of the temple of God. You are not able to bring silver or gold or the equivalent of its monetary value if you do not have it. And so David was not going to look by 
and see someone else coming with the silver and the gold that was going to be required to build the temple. He was also not going to sit around and wait for someone to consult what is available in the treasury and say, you know what, we had this budget, but uh, let's be honest, because of the economic situation at the moment, you know, we've had to rework and revise our figures to be able to reflect, to best reflect the economic status of our time. And so we've had to make the necessary adjustments. You know, I know you wanted so much gold, but we've had to uh, cut back on that, you know, by about 90%. Just, you know, the economy is tough. No, no, no. David went to his private treasury of gold and silver to help in the construction. Think about this. This was a building that was going to be built in honor of God. Because the religious will look at this as Judas did when the woman with the alabaster box came in and said, well, what a waste. This box could have been sold. This perfume could have been sold. It's worth one year's of wages. Think about that. That's a costly perfume. Whichever way you cut it, I mean, think about this. Your Hugo Boss or Versace or Armani or whatever perfume it is that you use does not come close to comparing with that perfume equating to your annual wage. And so a religious mind would look at that which you do unto the Lord and always say, what a waste. This money could have been given to the poor. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. And so here he was doing something once more for God and unto God. This is in addition, by the way, to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. This is in addition. This is an offering over and above his previous offering. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings. Just pause there. Think about the newspaper articles or headlines around the world if this temple would be built right now. Think about the headlines if we as Dominion Church would build a facility that requires 112 tons of gold and 262 tons of refined silver. And this was able to come from the treasury of one man. One man. Over and above the building materials that were already given. And so I looked at this again. Updated figures. 112 tons of gold at the current trading prices. This would equate then to 134.4 billion rand. Just in gold. 134.4 billion rands. Just the gold. How much is the silver? Well, the silver, 262 tons of silver at the current trading prices, equates to just over 3.5 billion rands. That means combined, just the silver and the gold in today's money, like in right now, today's money, this is speaking of an offering of nearly 140 billion rands coming from one person. 
And it is not as though David after this offering had to now live on the street. And so if this was true for a man such as David, and yes, we can speak of the fact that he was the one who was close to the heart of God. But also go and read David's story. The same man whom God said, you may not even build the temple because your hands are tainted. The same man who saw Bathsheba. The same man who gave the order for Uriah to be killed. To cover up his sin. Living under an old covenant. What do we have available for us today? And so let God empower you in every area of your life, but even financially, so the overflow may come. Let's just pray, and then we're going to partake of communion in closing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that has come forth in the area of the overflow. And we today say that we accept, we receive this message and the revelation therein. That you have given us the ability to create wealth. That you delight in the prosperity of your people. And we declare today that we will be faithful in the tithe. We will be faithful with our offerings. We will sow seed by faith and we will see the blessing of God increase, manifest and multiply in and through our lives. So that we in turn may, make, may meet the needs of others in Jesus name. Father I thank you that you will supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. That as you are our good faithful shepherd, we lack nothing. That you cause our brimming cup to overflow. Therefore we shall not lack. We shall not be in need. But our cup will overflow of the blessing of God. That you will anoint us and appoint us as a result of your favor at work in us. To also not just look out for destiny helpers, but to be destiny helpers ourselves. I thank you for divine empowerment, for divine promotion. That this is a week that will not go by without a powerful testimony. That this week will not end without us seeing and experiencing the manifestation of the unexplainable. Where we and everyone else around us can testify to the overflow of God in our lives. We receive it this day in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, in your favorite podcast platform or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.